Mark chapter 1, verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. When he'd gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. To those of you that are visiting today, welcome to Salford. This is Salford, and um, (laughs) Salford's changed over the years, and that's now what most of us live in. Um, I don't know what the image you might have of Salford, but that's most of our properties now, um, as Salford is being done up bit by bit. I've lived in Salford for 30 years, uh, pretty much, and it's changed so much over the years and in so many ways for the better. Um, It really has over the years. It just is so much better than it used to be. And yet, on Facebook, I've got various sort of connections with people who are in Salford yesteryears kind of groups, and they post things quite regularly and ask, do you remember when? And yesterday I saw one, and this was yesterday's. Um, and um, that's the height. Um, that's Bolton Road. It's just around the corner. It's where the vine was. Maggie is there. That's Maggie there. Um, when she was a little younger. Um, this was kind of like the earlier 20th, 20th century. And people put this up. And they say, do you remember the good days? Do you remember the days when trolleybuses used to run people down on bikes? Do you remember those days? <laughs> When we all had rickets and polio. Do you remember them? It was so much better in those days. Salford has never looked better. And yet, and yet, there's something about those days that people want to remember. What is it about those days they want to remember? Well, we remember back. I'm going to try something now. I don't know if this is going to work, but let's try anyway. Some of you are old enough not to see that, clearly. You've not seen that. You're not in that picture. But what was it about the olden days in Salford that you did appreciate? You can do the first now. (laughs) Yeah, you could leave your front door open and because you had very little. Um, What else did you appreciate about the earlier days? Neighbours that looked after you. Yeah, play out on the street and bang their ball against your wall incessantly. Um, yeah, it is. What else do you appreciate about the earlier days? You could always find a neighbour to look after your children when you'd left home. <laughs> They're yours just to look after them. What else did you enjoy about those earlier days? I, I, I'm conscious this could go on a while. I'm going to stop it every so moment. But the simplicity of living. Yeah. Limited choice, but you were happy. There was a contentment. And it's interesting because I think that's exactly what happens. I think we look back and we go, do you know what? Life just seemed easier and it seemed simpler. And it actually, for some people now, seems quite desirable. The 
past, it is another country. But for many people, it's a country that they wouldn't mind reliving. The piece we read from the gospel is the beginning of Jesus' whole mission. Everything we've read up till now has been preparation, but this is the moment where Jesus is really launching onto the stage. And he's coming and he's saying that actually something new is going to happen. He comes and he says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. When Jesus came, there were a whole stack of people who really looked back at the good days. They went back quite a while. They said, do you know what? When David was king, things were so much better. We were a nation at peace and God was blessing us. And actually, they were good days. And if only, if only we could have those days back again. Because they said, here we are, overrun by Rome. It's not the way we would ever want it to be. I wish we could go back, they said. And people were actively trying. They were trying to get back that sense of God's blessing. And there were at least these people around, these sort of groups of people around saying, actually, change would come if, and there's a whole number of people called zealots said, change will come if we revolt against the Romans. If we did an upsurge, if we rebelled, if we took to the streets, change would come. Other people were going, no, that never worked. What you need to do is withdraw. Go out into the desert. There's a whole uh, sort of, connection of people called the Essenes who went to the desert and said, let's just get away from it all. And then others said, no, if you stay, don't go to the desert, don't revolt. But actually, if you stay and you just get your hearts right, get right with God, be pure, keep the rules. The Pharisees desperately trying to please God. And then cooperate. There's another group called the Sadducees and they were kind of like a political class and they said, look, if we just cooperate with the powers and the, those in charge, if we just did this enough, things could change. But what everybody had in common is something needs to change. It was just that they disagreed about how. I don't know what you were doing on, uh, on Friday. Some of us were watching the new president of the United States, being inaugurated. And what Donald Trump did was actually no different than has been done all around. He looked at what's wrong and he said, and this is the answer, America first. Let's look after our own. If only we look after our own, then all the other problems will be solved. He was doing what's happened all the way through the generations. You look around and you go, things are not right around here. What's the solution? And then you come up with your own solution. He was doing the right thing in naming the problems. Maybe he was doing the wrong thing in giving the solution. And into the midst of this, way back then, Jesus comes. And he declares the good news of God. You look at that verse, begins by, after John was put in prison, and Mark doesn't really tell you anything else at this point. It's almost like just bear that in mind because that's going to become important later. It's enough for you to know and remember that John was put in prison because essentially he clashed with the king and the king imprisoned him. Just remember that. It'll come back in brackets. But actually, once that had happened, what happened next? Jesus went into Galilee 
proclaiming the good news of God. Someone's translated that verse by saying, the revolution has begun. I don't know what you think about Jesus, but what the gospel writer thinks about Jesus is that Jesus was absolutely convinced that he would come to change things. Jesus had come that everything might change. And the language he used, well, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God. It came with all those sort of mental maps that people had of what that meant. But it was where God is king, where everything against God would be overturned, where there would be a people who would live with God as king. And actually, essentially, what they were saying is, if, if God could do something, if God could do something, then maybe it would change. And that's what Jesus came to say. Not only that God, if God could, but that God would, that God would. The thing about the kingdom and the story throughout the gospel that will come is that the kingdom of God is not the same as the way things are right now. It's not just nicer people being nice to one another. The kingdom of God challenges the existing status. Back to Friday for a moment. Part of the problem came when the new president of the United States stands and says, our allegiance now will be solely to the United States of America. Our allegiance will be solely to the United States of America. And those of us who follow Jesus would say, and lots of Christians over there are saying, that's a problem for us. That's a problem. If actually you're saying our allegiance is only now to the country, that's a problem because actually our allegiance is not simply to a country. Our allegiance is to a different kingdom. We've got our own situation in our own country about this where um, the government desperately trying to work out how do you deal with a country that's not always at ease with itself and where religion doesn't seem to be the answer but seems to be the problem. And what they talk about is the extremism of religion. And you might have seen it a few, I think it was before Christmas, but you might have seen Justin Welby, who um, is Matt's boss. Matt's a vicar. Um, but he's in disguise. Um, <laughs> today. But Justin Welby writes in the newspaper, and he says, if that's your definition of religion, which is where actually you take it really seriously, I'm an extremist. Because actually my allegiance is to something other than you. <laughs> My allegiance is to a different way of life. My allegiance is to Jesus. Jesus comes and says, the kingdom of God has come near. And so repent and believe the good news. That phrase, repent and believe the good news, it's kind of like being dirtied. It's been sullied by pictures in our mind of street preachers who just yell at us. Never ask the question, where are you? Just yell at us. Repent and believe as though somehow the best thing to do is to make you feel guilty. But the repentance and the believing is significant because the first step towards God is a step away from the lies of the world. And that's what Jesus comes and says. He says, actually, we're going to see some new things. We're going to stop believing the lies that have been told about who you are, 
about people around you and about the future. I want you to live a new way. I want you to repent. I want you to turn away from all those alternative ways of seeing change. And I want you to trust, believe and trust are so close. It's almost exactly the same meaning. It's not like, do you believe certain things? But actually, do you trust someone? It's what we say to those around us, isn't it? Believe me, believe me. And what we mean is, trust me. Trust what I say. Trust who I am. And that's what Jesus comes and says, will you believe me? Just trust me. I'm the one that can get us out of this situation. The kingdom of God is here. And it's hard because we're surrounded by the rules of the real world. The congregation here, Salford, they know this because I've told them they won't remember it, but I've told them. If you really want to upset a preacher present company, definitely excluded. Then what you do is you go out, as you leave, you say, great service. But in the real world, it doesn't quite work, does it? In the real world. The real world where profit is king. The real world where you have to be suspicious of other people. The real world where you can't give your heart to people. The real world, well, you're a fool if you're generous. The real world if something some, everybody is in it for something. I don't know if you saw the story this week of uh, the guy in Harrogate. Uh, it was on Facebook and I read about the story and it was in the news as well. But it was about this uh, young guy. He was in the forces and he was going home on uh, compassionate leave. I think his granddad had died and he was going for the weekend on compassionate leave. And um, he was due to catch the train at five o'clock, which he had a, a ticket booked for, um, but for various reasons he couldn't get away and he was on the train at seven o'clock. Now, I don't know if you travel by train a lot. I travel by train ever such a lot. Um, the thing that I found is that um, train guards are remarkably flexible in the way they see this sort of stuff. Not having the right train ticket at the right time is never a problem. Of course it is. And understandably, perhaps. But this guy found himself on a train and uh, gave him the ticket. And um, they'd written on the back why he was late, but the, 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 the guard was having none of it. Anyway, there was a station master in Harrogate who said, uh, listen, son, I'll pay it. I'll pay it for you. I'll pay you the 55 pounds. Here's my number if you want get back in touch with me and you can pay me back, but I trust you. His name's Peter Foster. If you're ever in Harrogate, <laughs> look for Peter Foster. <laughs> it's a great story. What was really interesting, though, was to see all the comments on Facebook. Hundreds. Lots of them saying, what a great man. Quite a number of them going, nah, don't believe that story for one minute. He's just doing it for or it's a fake story, or you can't trust this. This is just a made-up story. Da, 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 da. People whose first reaction is, that's not how the world works around here. If someone does that, they're in it for themselves. You can't trust that. I bet he's doing it just for his own sake. I bet it's not true, because that's not how the real world works. It's hard to live the values of the kingdom of God in the real world, which takes me to this guy. He's got a very natty line in hats as this young guy, it strikes me. That's why we do this today for him. Let me make it really clear. We do not dedicate children, just in case there's any hint of worry about this. We don't dedicate children so that if anything dreadful happens, they can go to heaven. I don't think God works like that. And that's certainly not what this is about. 
It's actually about something far more serious than that. What we're doing together is we are saying together as a church, we want to train this guy to see what the kingdom of God looks like. We want this guy to understand that you don't have to mistrust everybody. We want this guy to know that people will care for you, even though they have no blood connection with you. We want this guy to know that here's a community of generosity. That here is a community where actually the elderly are prized and the young are valued. We want this guy to say, in this place, I found uncles and aunties. And the truth is that some of you will be Samuel's auntie when he's 34. He'll still talk about auntie-something. Because it's for him and everybody else like him. You see, if the kingdom of God, it's one thing for Jesus to say, look, the kingdom of God is here. And over the next weeks and months, we're going to be looking at what does that kingdom actually mean? What it means in short is it's different than the way things are around here. But you've got to see it to believe it. You've got to see it to believe it. And that's what we do. For a dozen years or so, they'll go in the back, maybe a little longer, they'll go in the back and they'll be taught by folks in our church about who this Jesus is. But the way we treat them over coffee is far louder than any church Sunday school lesson. They'll join youth groups and we'll do all sorts of stuff around life stuff with them. But the generosity you show them because you get down close enough to them to ask them, who are they? What goes on? And how are they getting on? The time and effort you put into those relationships demonstrate something different about the kingdom of God. And there are going to be times when clearly not Samuel, but the others will annoy you, but not Samuel. <laughs> At least not today. <laughs> There's about 30 of you that will beat me up if I say anything else different. There'll be times when they nick all the biscuits before you get there in coffee. <laughs> Every week. Every week. They've done it. Every week they get there and you go, why is there only rich tea biscuits? And the answer is because the kids have got taste. Yeah, a wise basket. Let's, let's really, let's go for this, Pauline. Let's, not even the rich tea biscuits are there anymore. No, you will. Okay, no, you won't. I will. I will be irritated by the amount of stuff they leave behind week after week after week that I have to gather up and then somehow give out again. <laughs> they will scream. And those of you that know them better, some days they'll break your heart. But the way you respond to that is a sign of this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And here's the thing. There is not one of you that does not have a part to play in demonstrating that kingdom of God. Some of you love kids when they're that age. You know, when they're just in arms. Some of you love them even more when they're Leah's age, like sort of like two weeks. Some of you really struggle when they're toddlers. Some of you love it when they get to teenagers. Some of you struggle like crazy when they're seven, but love it when they're 10. doesn't really matter. Your personal preference is not the issue here. The issue is, are we going to be the community of God that demonstrates what the kingdom of God looks like? And each of us have a part to play in that. That's why today's so important. Jesus, Jesus said... And still says, he said it to young workmen, will you join with me? To young guys who are just workmen, just in the father's business, will you come and join me? Because things 
can be different. Will you join me? Will you follow me? Will you do it my way? Will you trust me? Will you live this different story with me? And it's for you and it's for me and people like me and people like you. This is a, a fairly long quote, but I thought it was a really helpful quote by a guy called Scott McKnight. When he spoke into their context, standing next to him were ordinary folks, the poor and the marginalized and the faithful who, in Jesus' kingdom vision, were beginning to tap to the beat of an old song that was sounding brand new. Jesus' kingdom vision worked on their memory and on their hopes, and suddenly they knew where they were and where they were headed. The old story had a new life. I thought that was a great, great quote. Suddenly there are people around him. Why did people want to follow Jesus? Because they could hear the old song being played and they started to tap their feet and go, I think we can dance this one. I think this is the one that's worth following. I think this Jesus is the one who will get us out of the hole that we're in. And that little invitation that those early, early young men heard, will you come and follow me and join me in this, is the invitation that is given to me again. Neil, the temptation is, Neil, to live for your own self. Will you join me in this kingdom revolution? And it's the same for you in your context. Whether you're a vicar, whether you're a director, whether you're retired, whether you're a grandma, whether you're a mum, whether you're a dad, whatever you may be, will you join me in this kingdom revolution? And it starts here. This is an expression of what it looks like when God's really. I'm going to ask the musicians to come back and they'll come and they'll lead us in some songs. And as they do that, we'll begin to pray together. Well, you just take a moment just to be... It's a question we ask a lot and it's a good question and I'm not really looking this morning for any out loud answers, though sometimes we do. Um, but what's the thing... What's the one thing that's worth carrying away from here? What's the one thought that's worth you reminding yourself of? It might be something that you've, we read together. It might be something I said, or it might be something you thought, and I never mentioned it, but it's what was going on in your head. But what's the thing that's worth holding on to today? And maybe if you can just capture that for a moment. One of the things I'd love you to hear is that invitation by Jesus to follow me, come my way. Some of you have been followers of Jesus for decades and you, perhaps more than anybody in the room, know how you need to hear that time and time again. Follow my way. And this morning, you need to be the ones that go, yeah, that's for me. I, I'm, I'm definite. Kind of realigning my own life and my own priorities and my own hopes with those of Jesus. And for some of you, you might hardly know much about this Christian lark at all. And for you, 
it's kind of like, yeah, there's something there that tugs at my own heart. And I want to I wanna follow this Jesus. Father God, because you know us, you know who we are and where we've come from, Lord, you understand our hearts. And Lord, you went to young guys, young workmen, and you said, will you follow me? You kind of knew where they were, and we'd want you to come to us, and we'd want to be able to say, yes, we'll follow you. Ordinary. Working class kind of folk. We want to follow you.